Man, can we redirect that to the one who deserves it? Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place? Hallelujah. Yes, mighty God, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Amen. I am thankful to be in the house of the Lord with you all on this Sunday morning. It is a, uh, what an honor and a privilege it is to be with you. I, uh, you know, growing up with uh, the gaddies in my life, practically raising me whenever my mom and dad weren't able to, uh, it is such a, uh, a distinct honor and a privilege to be with you all today, and uh, I certainly give Brother Gaddy honor, and I uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here. It means a great deal to Alexis and I, and uh, I would be completely remiss if I didn't go through the names of people that have had an impact on my life here, and I'm going to start naming names, and I'm going to start missing people because there's, uh, there's too many to, to name, but Brother Weatherly, I love you. You have done so much uh, for me in my life. This thing is fact-checked, I promise. I knew Brother Weatherly was going to be here, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I got things it's dialed in, okay? It's, uh, it may not be good, but it's correct, okay, because <laughs> Brother Weatherly's here, all right? And if it's not correct, then don't talk to him after church, okay? Uh, no, I know it is, I promise. Uh, Jace, man, I love you, and I thank you for for having that faith in me and, and uh, for the opportunity. You mean the world to me. And uh, Brother Smith, it's good to see you. And Sister Smith, I love you all very much. And the impact that you all have had on my life is tremendous. Um, I didn't see him. I don't know if he's here or not. But Brother Jim Nitch, I don't, I don't know where he's at. Um, I love you all so much. Uh, I pray that one day I can communicate and I can teach like you do. Um, I... I came here for PI, and the, the way that you are able to communicate and to connect to people has forever changed the way that, that I will teach. And I want you to know that I love you. I appreciate you very much. You mean a great deal to me. Amen. Amen. What an amazing church, and what, it, what an awesome opportunity it is to be in the house of God again on a Sunday morning. Amen. It is, uh, it is such an honor again to be here today. I turn your attention to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to begin reading at chapter number 5, verse number 25. There was a, a young evangelist, and he was going out to preach his first revival. And um, he walks into the church, and the pastor greets him and says, uh, come sit with me in the office. And so the, uh, the young evangelist, he goes and he sits down in the office with the pastor, and the pastor asked him, he said, uh, son, are, are you ready? And the young evangelist said, I'm, I'm ready to go, but I, I got to be honest, I, I'm, a, I'm a little nervous about this. And the pastor said, well, why, why are you nervous? And the evangelist said, I'm, I'm nervous, I ain't going to do a good job today. And the pastor put his head down like all good pastors do, and he said, son, we all feel that way. And the evangelist said, really? And the pastor said, yes, sir, we're all worried you're not going to do a good job today. <laughs> and so thank you for welcoming, welcoming me here. I, I certainly appreciate it, and uh, I'm going to do my best today. This is a, a pulpit from which great preaching comes from, 
And uh, I certainly uh, probably won't be Brother Gaddy, but I, I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Amen. Mark 5, beginning at verse number 25. It says this, a very familiar story that we have heard many times, and if not, I am honored to be able to bring it to your attention today. It says this, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And for just a, a brief moment today, I know that there are things afterwards, but I feel so strong in the spirit that the Lord wants to do something in this place. And, and I pray that we would open our ears to the word today and that we would, we would pray that the Lord would anoint our ears to, to not only hear the word, but anoint our hearts to accept that word. And I, I pray that today for just a brief while I will preach on this subject. I thought she just barely made it. I thought she just barely made it. Lord, I love you today, and I magnify your great name. Lord, you are high and lifted up in this house. Uh, oh, Lord, it is still your train that fills the temple. Oh, God, you are the King of kings, and you are the Lord of lords. Uh, and so everything that is done in this place, it is for your glory, and it is for your honor. I pray that you would anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, that your word would go forth with an unction and with the power, and that you would anoint our ears to hear your word today, uh, and that you would open our hearts to it in Jesus name and if you believe that would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place amen 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 can we just take 10 seconds and give the Lord a, a little bit of glory in this place hallelujah 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 you are worthy mighty God you are worthy you are worthy you are worthy Amen, amen, amen. I thought she just barely made it. We are all at some point or another faced with hardship and pressure in our lives. The psalmist is one to look unto for proof of this statement. You see, David goes through good times, but they are often followed by bad times, it seems. He in one chapter can feel like God's best friend, but then in the next he feels like his worst enemy. He can say in, in one place, Lord, I love you. You are glorious. You, you are high and lifted up. 
But then in the next verse, in the next chapter, he will say things like, Lord, how long will I suffer? And the Bible tells us that there is no temptation that is uncommon to man. And that God will not tempt us beyond what we are able to bear. And because of this, we know that some pressure is God-given and it is God-allowed. You see, we can look to Job and we can see a man who endured much pressure. We can look to Apostle Paul and see a man who lived through Roman captivity. We can look to Joseph and behold with our eyes a man who pressed through accusation and jealousy. We can look to the three Hebrew boys and see these men who were brave even though pressured with fire. We can look to Esther and see a woman who continued her mission in spite of the pressure that was placed on her people. And lastly, we can look to Jesus and see a man who kept fighting even through persecution. The fact of the matter is that all of us indeed have been through situations and if are honest are dealing with things right now but I have learned in the short 22 years that I have lived that if I never got sick then I would never know that God can heal and if I never got confused and I would never know that God is the answer and if I never felt alone then I would never know that God sticks closer than a brother if I never felt weak then I would never know that God is strong if I never got weary then I would never know that God is my comfort somebody hear this young man today God reveals himself in the middle of pressure God reveals his nature in the middle of trial he reveals his intent in the midst of pressure and if you allow him today he can reveal himself to you using yours a man who has all he needs could not understand that God is the greatest provider. Maybe this is why the Bible says that it is so hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. How could a man who needs nothing realize that God is what he needs? There was a woman in the Gospel of Mark that we hear about often. And this woman dealt with an issue of blood for 12 years. She had spent all that she had on doctors, and yet nothing ever came out of it. As you see in the scripture, she is getting worse, in fact. And now, instead of just being sick, she is sick, and she is poor. Growing up as a child in Sunday school, I was taught this story, um, like many of you here. But I must admit, in my mind, I had thought of it in a way that the scriptures do not portray it to be. You see, there was a large multitude of people that were following Jesus on this day as we read the story. And the woman was not necessarily God's intent. You see, Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. And as they were walking, there were people that were bumping Jesus. They were shouting at him, yelling to get his attention for themselves. And then all of a sudden, here comes a woman who is crawling on the ground, and she is pushing through the crowd. And when she gets to Jesus with the little bit of strength that she has left due to her weakness, she just, she just barely gets to him in a last-ditch effort. 
because of the sickness, because of this issue of blood that she has dealt with for 12 years. She is, she, she's crawling in weakness and, and she's pushing through the people who are able, but, but her and her feeble body, they, she is clearly unable and, and she's getting there and, and she goes for Jesus, but she just falls short and, and all she gets is the garment or so I thought. I thought that all she could get a hold of was, was the garment. I know that, that she was unclean and there were reasons for her not to bow down at the, at the feet of Jesus and for her to make her supplication known, but I always thought that she fell short of her mark. I always thought that it was just a last-ditch effort in her weakness just to reach out and to get a hold of whatever she could, but the Scripture recalls in the Gospel, Mark says in 528, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. We now know here because of this that she knew what she was doing. There are three accounts of this story in the Bible. And Matthew's account does not say that she was, in fact, after the body of Christ, but only fell short and grabbed a hold of the clothes. And then in Mark's account, he does not say that she was after the hands of Jesus, but missed because of her weakness and only got the garment. And then in Luke, we find that he as well does not say that she was after perhaps the head of Jesus or the physical body of Jesus. And because of the issue that she came with, uh, she fell short of her mark uh, and could only find the hem of his garment, but can I tell you today that she was after the hem of the garment and she made it all the way to what she wanted. But the question now is why would she choose the garment? And what was so special about the hem? And I'll tell you, even though admittedly I have misunderstood it for a while, I see it now. You see, there is much discussion on what Jesus wore while he was walking on this earth. And John paints a pretty uh, picture for us, and, and he makes it easy for us to see in his revelation, we know. But there are still things that are left up to debate on the subject. But most scholars agree that Jesus wore a garment that would have involved four tassels on the border of it. And we know that in the priesthood, they also wore tassels on their garments. There were smaller tassels on their garments that represented the law of Moses, but they too had four longer tassels, and they represented God's completion, God's power, and His virtue. Most scholars believe that Jesus' tassels represented the same. And then furthermore, in Revelation, John is having his revelatory vision of Christ as victor and king. The same Jesus who walked the earth, John is seeing again. He describes Jesus in his vision, and this is what he says. Revelation 19 and 16, if y'all would like to throw that up. It says this, and he hath on his vesture... And on his thigh written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The word vesture comes from the Greek word indimasia, which is where we get the English words vesture or garment from. 
And so he hath on his garment and on his thigh written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm here to preach to you today on a Sunday morning that she did not grab the garment because she was weak and that's all that she could get. She did not grab the hem because she failed to get to him. She did not barely make it and just get a piece of his clothes as a last ditch effort. No. She knew that she was grabbing the power and the virtue of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. She knew what she was doing whenever she grabbed a hold of the garment. She did not barely make it in weakness, but she got a hold of a power and she got a hold of a virtue of the King that rules over sin and the Lord that rules over disease. It was not a last-ditch effort, but it was full of intent, and it was full of purpose. That woman that day got a hold of the power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I'll plan right there and preach for a moment. She knew what she was doing, even if no one else seemed to know. I'm preaching to a mama tonight, today, that came to to church this morning and you're tired or out just a bit from life and the stupid devil. Someone said, and kids, who was that? <laughs> Water's everywhere now. Come into the house of God this morning and the back that used to be strong is now just kind of limped over a bit. Babies are heavy. And their attitudes are sometimes heavy as well. Not my mom's baby and none of y'all's mom's baby, but sometimes, you know, other people, not, not here. You come into church today and, and you're just feeling a little bit like you're dragging. It, it's, just, it's just so much tiredness and, and, and there, there's so much stuff going on at work and then, and then the kids and I'm trying to cook and, and then he's spilling this on the floor. I got to pick it up. I still deal with that problem apparently. And, um, <laughs> and you just come in and you're just a little bit tired. And you want to know what some other moms out there, they may not understand why that weak back of yours is walking down the aisles. And they may not understand why you make it up to the front and, and you raise your hands and you give God all that you have. There may be people that look at your weakness, that look at your, that, that look at your situation, at your tiredness, and they may say, what in the world are you doing all of this for? But I, this young man, I applaud you today because you're getting a hold of a virtue and of a power that they might not ever be able to understand. And so I applaud that today, that back that comes in worshiping God and that hand that's raised in tiredness. You're getting a hold of a power. You're getting a hold of a virtue. Amen. I'm preaching to a father today that came in with calloused hands and tiredness. And you made it to the house of God because you're dedicated to the Lord. And you walk into this place and you're saying, Lord, I'm tired today. I'm not going to lie. And the strong arm that, that used to be is now a little bit more weak. 
And you raise it anyways, and you say, Lord, I love you, and I magnify your name. I give you the glory. I give you the honor, even in the midst of weakness. And the legs that used to be strong now, they're just kind of they're just kind of a little bit slower than what they used to. You used to could dunk on 10 foot. You probably can't do it on four now, but it's okay. I'm here in the house of God. I, I applaud you today because there may be some men that, at your work and in your life that don't understand why sometimes you walk into the house of God and you being a grown man can, can limp up to the front and raise your hands and as you do, you give the glory and the honor to God. Tears fall down your face as you cry out to him. They may not understand it. They may see it as weakness, but I applaud you today because you're getting a hold of a power and of a virtue that they may not be man enough to handle. So you keep on pressing and you keep on coming and you keep on worshiping God because you're getting a hold of the power and of the virtue. I'm preaching to a graduate today who is tired and ready to be done. You come in and you're thinking, okay, we're almost there and then that panic happens. It's not micro panic. It's like full-blown panic because you forgot there's a paper due. You're like, oh, not again. You have to go home and you have like 20 minutes to write a four-page essay because you forgot to do it. Or if you're like me, Brother Weatherly, I didn't do it. And then the night of, I'm thinking I have to do it. And then I do it all night long and I get it done and I turn it in. And Brother Weatherly told a man in my church that I wrote the best papers. That may or may not be true, but I'm pretty sure it's factual. <laughs> he said that they were way better than Jace's, and I don't. I don't know, is that? I withdraw. Tiredness. Mental fatigue, but you come into the house of God, and you may not be weak in your body, and you may not be sore in the physical, but there are things that you have to deal with that other people wouldn't understand, and there are things that you have to go through in this generation that, that maybe other people wouldn't understand, but I applaud you today because you walked into God whenever they may be out that we have some young people that walked into God on a Sunday morning whenever there may be other people that are doing something far different, but you made it to the house of God today. I applaud you. You're getting a hold of a power and of a virtue that the people at school may not understand, that the professors may not teach, and that the teachers may not condone, but you're here, and you're getting a hold of a power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. I thought this woman was weak. I thought this woman just stumbled upon Jesus. I thought that she just uh, barely made it, but she was stronger than them all because she knew how to get a hold of the power of God. Amen. There were people bumping Jesus. There were people pushing Jesus. Uh, there were people yelling and screaming his name to get his attention, but only one did. And the one who got his attention did it with a strategy. 
Everybody else apparently did the same thing. They all read the same how to get Jesus' attention 101 when he's in a crowd on his way to do something. Bump, shove, push, and shout. And if he ignores, just keep on. Apparently it was the only instruction that they got. Because as Jesus is walking through, these people are bumping, these people are shoving, they're pushing, they're trying to get a hold of him. They're saying, hey, Lord, I had this, perhaps. Hey, Jesus, this is the situation I'm dealing with. Perhaps maybe somebody had supplication of their own. Perhaps I don't know what they were saying, but I know that they were trying to get his attention because the men were saying, Jesus, everybody's bumping you. Jesus, everybody's touching you. Why do you say who touched my clothes? Apparently, they all got the same memo on how to get Jesus' attention. That was very wrong. But then here comes a woman with an issue. And here comes a woman with a weakness. Uh, and she grabs a hold of the power of God. Church, I have got to say it today. We will never get God's attention by doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. You will not get a hold of God by following the routine that everybody else follows. But it is time to say that I'm not following the crowd anymore. And I'm not following the schedule anymore. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how different it is. I don't care how abnormal it may seem. I don't care if you don't understand it. I don't care if you don't get it. I have got to get a hold of God. So you watch me limp as I take a lap around these aisles. And you watch me stumble as I leap for joy. And you watch me trip up here and there as I give the Lord a shout of praise. I'm not barely making it. I'm getting a hold of a truth. I'm not barely making it. I'm getting a hold of a power. I'm not barely making it. I'm getting a hold of a healing. I'm not barely making it. I'm getting a hold of my breakthrough. I'm not barely making it. I'm getting a hold of a deliverance. I'm not barely making it. I got some kids back at home and they're going to come back. I'm not barely making it. I got some sick loved ones and they're going to be healed. I'm not barely making it. I got a situation in my life that I'm praying over. I'm not barely making it. I'm getting a hold of the power and of the virtue of God. You may not understand it, and you may not get it, but I know where the virtue is, and I know where the power is, and I'll do whatever it takes to get a hold of his garment. It was a dark yet victorious day. A hill overlooked Jerusalem in the distance. The sound of whips cracking and armor clinking are what you hear. Yells and screams roar from a wicked crowd. But another yell is heard from atop a hill called Calvary. It is Jesus being crucified for our sins. And they said to him, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are King of the Jews, if you really are who you say that you are, and call your angels down to get you off of that cross. It was pressure. But he stayed strong, and he allowed them to kill him and to put him in a tomb dead. You see, this is our candy stick. And I know that you've heard it often. Jesus was carried dead into the tomb, but he walked out in life 
and in life more abundantly. And you may feel like death rolled over this morning. You may feel like all is lost. Uh, when you walk through those doors today, you may have felt like it perhaps is the last time that you're probably going to do it. But hear me today, I want to help somebody. I, I, I want to encourage somebody today. The dead situation that you walked in with, uh, you can walk out with, but in life, uh, and in life more abundantly. It is not preacher talk, uh, and it is not church lingo, but it is the truth today in this house. Right now in this hour, you can get a hold of the King of Kings, uh, and you can get a hold of the Lord of Lords, but you cannot do it by allowing the adversary to tell you how to worship, uh, and you cannot do it by allowing the enemy to tell you how to praise. You cannot achieve it by going on like everybody else is doing. The devil comes but to kill and to, and to steal and to destroy. But Christ has come that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. So you let them call it weak. You keep on worshiping. And you let them call it dumb. But you keep on dancing. You let them call it pointless. But you know it's powerful. You can call it foolishness if if you want to but I know that it's faithfulness uh, it is not out on a whim it is for the most wonderful amen today in this place you can experience God amen what a wonderful truth what a simple blessing that is so utterly profound that somebody like Garrett Ray could come into a place in walls that I, that I didn't put up, in floors that I did not lay, underneath a roof that I did not pitch, and I can experience God for myself. Amen. There was a, a woman in our church in Truman and she was nuts, like for real. And I guess every church has somebody that's like crazy. I don't, is that right? <laughs> he said he doesn't have anybody like that. But Truman did. This woman, she came to our church, and uh, uh, she came to our church, and she had like 40 kids or something like that. It was so many kids, and they just kept on coming. Our Sunday school ministry doubled their first Sunday in, uh, and uh, this woman was crazy a little bit. Hope I'm not going to get in trouble by saying that. I hope that's not a bad thing to say. I remember I was the drummer in Truman, and we would start singing, and I I wouldn't hit the snare one time. It would be on like a, a slow song, like Jesus had the center of it all, and it would be one of those that you know you just it's just one of it's it's this kind of a song, okay. It's not like a, you know, run around kind of a song. And here she comes, right down the aisle, leaping and jumping and shouting. 
She'd make her way up to the front, and she would worship, and she would yell, and she would sing, and she would shout. And I'm playing, Jesus at the center of it all. And everybody else is just kind of like this, doing their thing. And here she comes, crazy, just walking up to the front and, and dancing on the slowest song that we had. There was one week we had an evangelist with us. And uh, there were many miracles taking place in Truman, and there were literally deaf ears uh, being opened up, and there was a woman who came in with a fractured ankle, and she was on crutches. She couldn't walk, couldn't put any weight on it. We prayed for her. She began to leap around and, and, and worship, and it was, there were amazing things that were happening in, in Truman, um, but I had, a, I had a problem in my heart, and I'm going to be honest with you today. Uh, I did something wrong. We started the service, and before I could even play for two seconds, this woman came down to the front. And in my mind, I, I kind of did that thing, you know, pastor doesn't know this because there's no crazy people here, but I just kind of looked down, and she was walking down the aisle, and I just kind of put my head down and smiled and said, here we go again. We start playing a song, and she worships the whole time. She's making her way up and down the front throughout the whole offering service while they're telling you, you know, smile as you give, and, and you'll be blessed because of it. She's still up there worshiping, and she's praising. I'm thinking, my goodness, how long can someone do that for? And it's every time. It's not surely she can't just be feeling that every time, and she's just, that's what was going on in my mind at the time. And I'll never forget that she walked in towards the end of service during one of our services, and she had her boy with her, one of them. And she walked down to the front, and this boy's name was Manny. Everybody knew that Manny had an issue with his leg. And his right leg was two and a half inches shorter than his left leg. And so whenever Manny kind of walked, he just kind of, you know, he was kind of gangster, honestly. It was kind of like this. And, uh, and so she brought him up to the front, and Brother Herod asked him what the problem was, and they told, they told him what the problem was. And he, he sat the boy down on the chair, and he said, straighten him out as far as you can get him. You know, we didn't want to be having any kind of fake miracles in Truman. Wanted to make sure they were legit and squared away. And so he said, straighten out your leg as far as you can get it to go, and he did that. And sure enough, it was about two inches, two and a half inches shorter than his left one. And I'll never forget that day in my life. It was the first notable miracle that I watched happen, you know. And I'll never forget, he told her, he said, you must believe. If you do not believe, he will not be healed. And she said, I believe, I believe. And she began to worship again. And I will never forget in my life, I looked down. And I watched that boy's leg grow, Brother Gaddy, two and a half inches before my very eyes. You see, at that time, I also had a disease in my leg. And I'm, I'm going to hurry, I promise. But I had a bone disease in my shin. And essentially what was happening was uh, the top of my shin bone was growing much too quickly for my knee. And my knee could not hold it. And so my shin bone was separating from my knee, and my shin bone was coming out. That's disgusting. I'm very sorry. But 
it would, came about this far, and my leg would not extend, but about like that. And I dealt with this for a year from 14 to 15. And I saw this miracle take place, and I said, I, I, can, I can get healed too. My leg can be healed. The doctor said there was nothing they could do about my leg until I was about 25, 26 years old. Hopefully my knee would grow, and then it would go back together, and my knee would be normal again. My leg would be normal again. So here's a 15-year-old thinking that he's going to have to deal with this limp leg for 10 years. And I, I walked up to the front, and I said, Brother Herod, this is the problem. My knee is looking weird, and it feels weird too. <laughs> and he said, well, pray. you got to believe. I said, I believe. And we prayed, and the church prayed. And I wish that I could tell you that I was healed immediately. But Garrett Ray had a problem. Garrett Ray had something that needed to be addressed. And I'll never forget, after everyone had prayed, the whole church was there. I was kind of embarrassed, and I said, God, I'm believing you right now. You know, I came up here by faith, I, I, I'm, and before I could say anything else, I looked over. And you want to know who's knelt down beside me, praying for me? That crazy worshiper. And the Lord spoke to me clearer than I have ever heard him speak to me before. And he said, you doubted her, repent. And my 15-year-old heart shattered in conviction. And I slumped over and fell down and said, Lord, I know that I've done wrong. God, I need you to forgive me for my doubt. I know I doubted her praise. I know I doubted her worship. I know that whenever she came running down the aisles and it was on the slowest song in humanity that I was chuckling a little bit. God, I'm sorry. She, uh, I should not have been thinking what I was thinking. I should not have been saying what I was saying. I shouldn't have doubted her worship. I should not have doubted her praise. And immediately I laid my hand back on my leg and I felt my shin bone shrink in the palm of my hand and my leg received my shin bone again and for the first time in a year my leg straightened out with no pain and from that day forward I said God I won't doubt anybody else's worship God I won't doubt anybody else's praise Lord I won't laugh at anybody for worshiping you God I won't doubt anybody for doing something that's obscene and for the rest of my life I'll worship like nobody's watching for the rest of my life I'll praise you like I don't care for the rest of my life I'll run down the aisle I'll walk down to the front on the slow songs I'll worship your name on the fast song that woman taught me that day how to get a hold of a virtue and how to get a hold of a power that no one else might understand and that no one else might see but that woman in her worship that woman in her praise she got a hold of the power and of the virtue of God and for every day in the rest of my life I promise you that I will do the same. She knew where the power and the virtue was. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Um, the musicians can come. I'll, I'll just be a moment longer. Thank you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This is a uh, this is the evangelist in me. I can't help but preach it. It is the heaviest matter on my heart. If you're a guest here today or if you've been coming for a while and you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you talk about a joy that is unspeakable, 
and that is full of glory. Amen. But it's also something that other people really don't understand. And it sounds crazy, and that's because it is. Just to be honest about it, it is supernatural. It is outside of the natural. It's outside of the usual, but it is real. And if you have not received the Holy Ghost today, I want you to know that today can be that day. And you can get a hold of a power and of a virtue that other people may not understand and they may not want. But I promise you it will be the best thing you ever do in your life. And if you have not been baptized in Jesus' name for a mission of all your sins, that heavy weight, that heavy, that heavy weight of sin that you walked in with, you can walk out with but released. Uh, it, it is the greatest thing in the world. And if you have not done either of those two things today, let today be that day. Let this be that moment. Do something that no one else is doing and get a hold of God's power and his virtue. Amen, amen, amen. Please stand with me. I've gone much too long. I'm sorry. The, the Bible said that when the woman heard of Jesus, she began to press towards him. When she learned that Jesus was within distance of her, she began to crawl to him. She didn't care if the other people didn't understand, perhaps. She, she didn't care if the other people were going to look down on, on her issue, look down on, on her pain, look down on her disease. After 12 years of suffering, you see, finally Jesus comes through her midst. After the doctor said that there was nothing they could do for her, finally Jesus walks through her presence. After she spent all that she had in hopes of fixing her condition, finally, here comes Jesus. She doesn't hesitate. She crawls after him and she gets a hold of his power. No, it was not pretty, I'm sure. No, it wasn't pleasant, pleasant. No, it was not usual compared to the others. But she knew how to get a hold of his garment. She knew how to get a hold of his virtue. And she knew how to get a hold of his power. Because she knew that Jesus was in her midst. My question to you today is, is how long have you been in the situation that you are in how long have you been in the pain that you might find yourself in this morning how long have you been sick how long have your lost loved ones been gone how long have you been in this trial how long have you been dealing with this addiction Jesus is here. The healer is in this place right now. The creator is in your presence. And if you have to come crawling to him, I promise you it's worth it. If you have to come bleeding to him, I promise you it's worth it. If you have to come limping to him, I promise you that it is worth it. 
Come on, somebody, someone, they might not lay down their pride. Somebody else may may not want to do it, but I believe that in this church, we are a church who knows how to get a hold of God. Jesus is in this place, and these altars are open if you would like to come. I promise you that whatever ails you, if you'll come to him, he can meet your need. I promise you that whatever situation you're in, if you just come to him, he will meet you in that place. I promise you, whatever sickness you are in, Jesus is here. He wants to heal, and he wants to restore. And if you've got to come with the weakness that you have, if you've got to come with the issue that you have, if you've got to come stumbling and tripping and falling here and there, Jesus is in this place. It is worth every weak step that you'll take. It is worth every trip that you make. It is worth every ounce of effort that you put forth. Some people won't understand it. Some people won't get it. But you're getting a hold of the virtue and of the power of God. The creator of the wind and the waves is in this place. Uh, The designer of the stars and the bluebird skies uh, is in this house right now. The creator of the mountains and of the plains uh, is in this place. The creator of the clouds uh, and every drop of rain is in this place right now. And you can get a hold of his power and you can get a hold of his virtue. Somebody cry out to him right now. Somebody reach to him right now. Jesus is in your presence.